Good morning, good morning. Can you hear me okay? I'm all right. Let me move this out of the side. I'm going to say welcome to everybody. It's good to be in the house of the Lord together. It's good to praise God, give Him glory, for He, he deserves every bit of it. Amen? We, uh, we're, we're going through a really crazy season here. The season of Christmas here this year is like one we've never had before, probably. And it's busy, it's crazy, it's like uh, all the stuff due to the COVID-19, our restrictions, our limited travel. We have friends that are not feeling well, some of them sick, we've got to keep them in prayer, part of the family. We noted that uh, Sid Williams passed away this week. And uh, again, keep his family in prayer. Lift them up. I mean, it's a loss to lose a loved one. But God is still in control. He's sovereign. And don't let these circumstances of life around us lose the joy that is in Christ. The, th the theme today will be with he's talking about joy. And before we do that, let's go to the Lord and ask him to open our hearts and our minds to his word. Let's pray. Father, we ask at this time you'll bless this study and the reading of your word. May it be received into our hearts and into our minds to affect our lives, to live completely for you. May we have the joy of Jesus. May it fill us to overflowing. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I've titled the message this morning, Whose Joy Is It Anyway? If you have your notes from the insert in the bulletin, we'll have a few verses that we're going to go over, and uh, we're going to examine whose joy it was during these events around the birth of our Lord. So in order to this, we'll be looking at specifically two words, the word joy and the word rejoice and anything that was surrounding the birth of Christ we'll be covering a little bit of much of which was read already this morning so first off what is the definition of joy now many dictionaries have all different definitions and again we're looking at a worldly view of what joy is but the American heritage heritage definition defines joy as the, a feeling of delight happiness gladness a source of pleasure. And rejoice, the word rejoice is defined as to feel or be joyful. So we see there's a big correlation between having joy and rejoicing or rejoice. Now according to BibleGateway.com, any of you that use that, it's a great, great website. The New American Standard Version of the Bible contains the word joy 260 times. But only once in Matthew, not at all in Mark, three times in Luke, and none in the book of John that has to do with the events surrounding the birth of Jesus. So of these four verses, two of them have to do with John the Baptist, which we'll see in a few minutes. And according to BibleGateway.com, the word rejoice appears 203 times in the Bible, one time in Matthew, and two times in Luke, 
and I'm restricting it to th the events surrounding Jesus' birth. There's none in John that has to do with Jesus' birth. So you might think that these seven verses, I mean, that's a decent amount, but out of these seven verses, two of them contain both the word joy and rejoice in them. So technically, we only have five verses in the scriptures that have to do with the events surrounding Jesus' birth. I think that's rather amazing. If you think about it, the greatest event of all times, the greatest event in all the history, Emmanuel, God with us, God taking on flesh and dwelling amongst us, leaving his throne in glory. I mean, that, that's, that's a mind-boggling thing. And here we have a celebration going around us now. We've been celebrating Christmas for hundreds of years now. We sing songs about it. We give gifts. We display lights. We celebrate. We have food. We have visitation of friends. And, and, and joy is only really sparsely mentioned in Scripture around this event. It appears that the birth of Jesus was basically under the radar. It was hardly noticed at that time in history. And sadly to say, even the joy of Jesus' birth is missing for much of our world today too. But for those few that had it, it was abundant. This was abundant joy, and it should be for us too. Let's look at these five verses and ask, as I entitled it, whose joy is it anyway? Now, the first verse I'm going to like to look at is, and I'm going to do these sequentially in order here of, of when they appeared in, in, in time, and it will be Luke 1.14. And the verse reads like this, You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice in his birth. Now, who are we talking about here? Who are we talking about? Let me give you the background to this by reading the passage Follow, uh, that, that precedes us a little bit. Luke 1, 5 through 17. In the days of Herod, the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah, and he and his wife from the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Now it happened that when he was uh, performing his priestly service before God in an appointed order of the division, according to the customs in the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside at the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the altar of incense. And Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel, and fear gripped him. But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petitions have been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Here's our verse now. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will 
drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of righteous so as to make steady, excuse me, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. We have here what? Zacharias. Zacharias the priest. And where is he? He's in the temple. He was chosen now by chance, by lot, to enter the inner temple for the performance of burning the incense, which a priest would do. Now, think of the odds of this. There are approximately 20,000, 20,000 active priests in Israel at that time. 24 divisions, four to nine houses in each, having about 150 priests altogether. The lot fell on Zacharias. He won the priestly lottery. This is a once-in-a-lifetime event that he was chosen by lot to do. And it was a very, very high honor. And you couldn't do it twice. If you had it done once, you couldn't go back and do it again. So what happens as he's inside here? An angel of the Lord appears by the altar of incense. Zacharias is afraid. The angel spoke to him. An angel of the Lord spoke to him. Now think back where we are in history now. When was the last time that God communicated to his people or to anybody before this time? It was 400 years earlier. 400 years earlier. You have Malachi, right? It's the last time that God spoke to his people. And then you have this 400 years of silence. The 400 years of silence was broken at this time. I think that's an amazing event. Amazing event. And verse 13 says here, And the angel said unto him, Do not be afraid, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. John means Jehovah has shown grace. He will be great in the sight of the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit while in Elizabeth's womb. He will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to a righteous attitude. And he is to go as a forerunner before him, meaning the Messiah, in the spirit and the power of Elijah. So whose joy is it? Zacharias. I'm sure with Elizabeth. He's blessed with not only a son, but the forerunner to the Messiah. Side point, he was praying and praying and praying for years for a son. They were barren until this point. Don't give up on praying. 
Don't give up on praying. Luke 1, 44. Next verse to look at. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. I'm going to read a section. Whose joy, is, whose joy was that? Luke 1, verses 26 through 45 reads this way. Now in the sixth month of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee called Nazareth through a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said unto her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. And Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel said, answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that, uh, for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she, who they called barren, is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondservant of the Lord may it be done to me according to your word. And then the angel departed. Verse 39. Now as this time Mary arose and went, in a hurry to the hill country to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit and she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb and how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what has been spoken to her by the Lord. Mary now is with child. She visits her relative Elizabeth, who's six months pregnant. And if you think about it, that would make during the, the birth time and stuff that John the Baptist would be six months older than Jesus would be. And the fact that they're related. John the Baptist related to, related to Jesus. Now, when Mary enters the house of Zacharias and Elizabeth and greets Elizabeth, the unborn John the Baptist leaped in, the ba in, in, her, in her womb. And then Elizabeth is filled with the Holy Spirit at this point. And she cries out, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord would come to me? And here we have our verse. For behold, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. So whose joy was it? The unborn 
John the Baptist, even before he was born, he leaped for joy in the presence of Jesus. There's joy in the presence of Jesus. Luke 1, verse 47 is a, our third verse we'll be looking at. Luke 1, 47 says this. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. We spoke of that earlier this morning. So whose joy is that? Whose rejoicing is that? And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. I'm going to read Luke 1, 46 through 56. And Mary said, My soul exalts the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regard for his humble state of his bond slave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. He has done mighty deeds with his arm and has scattered those who were proud in the thoughts of their heart. He has brought down rulers from their thrones and he has exalted those who were humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the righteous empty-handed. He has given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy. And as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his descendants forever. And Mary stayed with her, meaning Elizabeth, about three months. And then she returned to her home. So it appears that Mary stayed with Elizabeth till the child was born. John the Baptist was born. We see here that Mary exalts the Lord and her spirit has rejoiced in God her Savior. Mary, like you and I, need a Savior. Mary here is rejoicing in having a Savior. God her Savior. Her song of worship continues here, filled with Old Testament quotations and covenant promises of God, as we read through. Mary's joy is in the fact that she has a Savior, and this should be our joy as well, in the fact that we have a Savior. So whose joy was it? Mary's. She was rejoicing in God, her Savior. And we say joy and rejoicing is knowing the Savior and that we have him. Fourth, fourth verse here, Luke 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. And we're familiar with the story. Whose joy was it? We have Mary and Joseph are now in Bethlehem, the house of bread. They traveled 70 very difficult miles. It was probably hard on Mary who was close to delivering the baby Jesus at this time. They traveled from Nazareth to Bethlehem due to a census that was ordered by Caesar Augustus. Each person had to be counted in their ancestral city. And being descendants of David, they went to Bethlehem. When Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, 
wrapped them in cloth, and later laid Jesus in a feeding trough in a manger. I'm going to read Luke 2, verses 8 through 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. Which was our verse. For today, in the city of David, there has been born to you Savior, who is Christ the Lord, and this will be a sign for you that you will find a baby wrapped in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began to say to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened to us which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. And when they had seen this, they made known the statement which had been told them about the child. And all who heard it wondered at these things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as they had been told. You have here the shepherds. Religiously, they were unclean, unclean by religious standards. They dealt with Gentiles in selling their, their goods at times. They were looked down as, in society, they were very low, low class, if you want to call it that. But they were the first witnesses to the birth of Jesus. And of all the people, these lowly shepherds were the first witnesses to the birth of Jesus. And by that, they were changed. They were changed in attitude and heart. They went away rejoicing. Whose joy was it? Whose joy is it? Announced to the lowly shepherds, but it's for all people. For all people. And there is joy, as they found, in going to Jesus. There's joy in going to Jesus. The last verse we're going to be looking at is going to be over in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. I'm going to read. The verse actually will, will be actually uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 10 states this. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And we all know who that was. We read a little bit of the passage this morning. But it's, uh, I'm going to reread it. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, 
For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem of land of Judea, are by no means least amongst the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search out carefully for that child. And when you have found him, report back to me so I may come and worship him also. And after hearing the king, they went their way. And the star, which they had seen in the east, went before them until it was came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, here's our verse, right? After come, uh, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down to the ground and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they presented unto him gold, gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Jesus, having been born and is in Bethlehem at this time, the Magi, magicians or the astrologers or astronomers, whatever you want to talk about that, that they are, arrive in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, that's where the king is. And there they question, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Because they saw the star, saw, past tense, the star in the east, and it came to come, come to worship him. Not worshiping Herod now. Herod is upset. He's troubled. And all of Jerusalem also. Herod gathers his chief priests and the scribes and asks of them where the Messiah is to be born. And he gets the correct answer. Bethlehem of Judea. Now there's two Bethlehems. So this was the Bethlehem of Judea. Because Micah the prophet wrote, 600 years, excuse me, 700 years earlier, what we see in verse 6 here, and you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, by no means the least among the leaders of Judah, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That was written a long time before they discovered it here. Then secretly, Herod asked the Magi, the exact time when the star appeared. When did they start seeing the star? And then sends them off to Bethlehem with instructions to be careful, you know, carefully search for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. We see in verse 16, which I did not read, the possible reason why Herod wanted to know the exact time that the star appeared. And when the Magi did not come back and report to him where the child was, and maybe he had that thought in mind, he could possibly calculate the approximate age of the child. Let's see, the star appeared then, that took so long to get here, and now it's sent him on. And coming up with it, he ends up doing what? He ends up slaying all the male children in Bethlehem, all who were two years of age and younger. But that in itself fulfilled a prophecy in Jeremiah that we read in verse 18. 
Verse 9 of chapter 2 says, After hearing the king, they went their way. And the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That being our verse. After coming into the house, not the manger scene, into a house, they saw, not the babe, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. And they worshipped him and they presented unto him gifts. We have here the gifts. And look at what was given him. Gold. Gold, a precious metal of great worth. Fit for a king. A kingly gift. The gift of gold. They also gave frankincense. Frankincense was used in the anointing of the priests of the day and also in the prayer of intercession by the priest as we saw earlier with Zacharias. He was burning the incense and that as a time of prayer of incense where the prayers would go up to God. So that's a priestly gift. And then myrrh. The word myrrh comes from mar and it means bitter. They used myrrh as a burial spice. When they wrapped the bodies, they would fragrance it and put and keep wrapping with myrrh. Bitter, suffering. That was a gift to the Savior. After this, being warned by God in a dream, they did not return to Herod, but they went back to their own country by another way. We see here that these pagan magi were seeking out the king of the Jews. That's the phrase they used when they went and worshipped him. Noticed King Herod and the high priest who were mostly Sadducees, the high priest, they did not go and travel with the magi to Bethlehem. They lacked the faith to do so. They found it in scripture, but they didn't do it. And notice again the title that was used by the Magi when they were searching for Jesus. When they came to Jerusalem, because apparently the star, they couldn't see the star anymore, went dark or whatever, they go around Jerusalem and finally into, the, into Herod's and he's asking, where is the king of the Jews born? Where is his child born king of the Jews? King of the Jews. Now this title, at Jesus' birth, was also the title at Jesus' death. When Christ was crucified, think of the inscription that hung above his head. It was nailed to the cross above his head. It said, King of the Jews. The same phrase. Now Rome, when it was executing a criminal, would nail to the cross the crime of the person that was being crucified murderer, traitor, whatever. What was nailed above Jesus' head? Jesus, the Nazarene, King of the Jews. Same title. And to make sure, when it was written, it was written in what? Hebrew. 
It was written in Latin and it was written in Greek. The major languages of that day and John 19.20 tells us this. This is so the world could see and understand what the charge was, basically, against Jesus. He was crucified for being king of the Jews. Worshipped by few at his birth, scorned and spit on and tortured and crucified in his death by the very people that he came to save. I started this message off with the definition of joy. It comes from the dictionary. I'm sure all of us at one point in their Christian walks have heard a the sermon, what's the difference between happiness and joy? Uh, happiness, as we know, depends on our circumstances. Uh, circumstances around us constantly change. They continually change. And some, if not most of them, are we have little control over. We can't. That happens around us. But joy, real joy, is centered in a person. A person who never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you have the joy of Jesus Christ in your life? No matter what the circumstances that surround us are, your joy can be in Him, in Jesus. And that's what we're celebrating today. Let's pray. Father, thank you always for your answers to our prayers. Our prayers that turn into joy. Words of praise to you. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to you, to your presence and commune with you with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. We praise you, Father, that you are a God who saves and we can rejoice in knowing Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for the joy that there is in coming to you, knowing that you care for each and every one of us, so much so that you sent your son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins, died to give us life eternal and to have joy. We pray this in Jesus' name.